This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. Joining us today at the round table of dim lighting is our friend and OG YouTuber, the one and only Kasim G. Kasim started his channel, uh, which currently sits at 2.6 million subscribers and 400 million views way back in 2006. He's one of the co-founders of the now Disney-owned Maker Studios, and he's honed his signature sharp, sarcastic, comedic tone via his popular series, California On. Now, you've probably seen it, where he creates have. hilarious moments from impromptu conversations on the streets of Venice Beach and elsewhere, including various conventions. You're watching California On. First of all, you wanna do this shirts on or off. You always uh, have the option. Tell me about your personal life. Are you uh, single? I'm New York. Taken? Nope, I don't care about New York. I'm a nice guy. You're a nice guy? Yeah. You have to be because you're not attractive enough to be a bad guy. I'm just a regular man. I'm just a regular man. Just a regular guy with no job. You're not related to Carmen San Diego in any way. Nobody's in San Diego that I know. The girls aren't, there's not as many girls. Mind if I do it's... something real fast? What? Mind if I do something? You want to kiss my head? What year did we sign it? What? <laughs> can, you say, can you say that again, but just even more stupid? Well, I'm doing makeup application and a glitter tattoo last for seven days. Do you get naked at any point during this? Not at all. Cool. See ya. In this biscuit, we talked with Kasim about his participation in the grueling desert race, the Baja 1000. Uh, his moving to the U.S. as a little kid and trying to fit in, how he recently connected with his Middle Eastern roots, and his candid thoughts on his legendary YouTube series, including California On, Going Deep, and Ask Kasim. Uh, we also talked about what he's been up to lately. Not a lot of stuff coming out on his YouTube channel um, until very recently his latest project about... Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a half hour special on his YouTube channel. Uh, we've watched it since having the conversation. I uh, highly recommend it. You should check it out on his channel. Uh, it's called California on Sasquatch, a not finding Bigfoot special. So we think you guys will enjoy our conversation with Kasim. But first, we wanna mention our sponsor, EF College Break. They make travel easy, affordable, and even more fun for anyone 18 to 28, college not required. Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, you're young, you should travel, yes. and experience global experiences while skipping around foreign destinations. Experience those experiences, you everybody. Know this. Uh, the fact is, it can be logistically difficult to line all this up. You can spend hours searching the internet for flights and hotels and coordinating transportation between cities with sites and getting tickets for sites in advance mm -hmm. and dealing with closures and cancellations and delays. <gasps> or you can let EF College Break do all that for you. They take care of booking flights, lodging, transportation when you're there, site and event coordination, and they provide you with a tour director who is a local expert. That, that comes in handy because you go to a place and you have no idea what, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go, well they take care of that. Uh, they've built group trips across six continents uh, with every, and that's not, I'm talking about the continents, I'm not talking about whether you're incontinent or not. No. It has nothing to do with continents. There's no. It's just continents. No discrimination on that front. Yeah, you can poop in your pants all you want while traveling, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, they'll take you everywhere from trekking to Machu Picchu, cruising the Greek Isles, and immersing yourself in Germany's Oktoberfest. And almost half of all College Break travelers sign up solo, so even if you sign up by yourself, you will not be alone on your trip. Make some friends! Yeah, they call it social travel because you get to meet new people, make lifelong friends by experiencing the world together. Yeah. Bottom line. You might fall in love, that's what happens usually. Uh, well, I mean, when, pe when not, you people travel together. It's not, a, it's not it's about not that, a dating but I can't service. just help, it's a but, travel I service. can't help but think that. You know, 17 days with somebody, you never know what'll happen. 
It's not about that. That's just that's only from us. That's not from EF College Break. That's just from and not, not even from us. What about, just from me? What about the pooping your pants part? Is that from you or is that's that from just them? for me? Okay. I take responsibility for both of those diversions. Bottom line, it doesn't have to be intimidating to plan a trip outside of the country. The world is out there waiting to be explored. People, go for it. Then Instagram some pics to us. Uh, so we can experience it vicariously through Please. you because we are no longer 18 to 28. We are not, but we would do this if we could and we're gonna hook you up with an extra $100 off your next adventure by going to our special URL, efcollegebreak.com slash link. I'm at the site right now and there's a highlights of Japan and China trip that oh. covers 17 days, pretty awesome. Kyoto, Osaka, Tokyo, Whoa! Beijing, Shanghai. This sounds like a great way to fill up that where I've been app that people used to have on their Facebook wall. Remember that? Where they would brag about how well-traveled they are? Well, if you wanna be one of those people, you should do this. Uh, for $100 off, go to efcollegebreak.com slash ret and link. Now, on to the biscuit. I thought, for my money, there was nothing better than the, the micro-built series. You guys did. I don't know if that's what you call it. That the mini commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys aren't we don't want to talk about. Um, but I thought those, for my money on the internet, were as good of, <laughs> of just content entertainment as you could watch. And I was in France for some fancy thing doing like one of those, um, you guys go to those upfront things where you have to talk yeah. about your stuff. Yeah, we went to we one. Went in, to, yeah, in, we've been in, to one in France. Okay. <laughs> I, the one maybe you were at or the year before, but they asked me to come up to the stage and talk about like just YouTube videos that I liked. Oh, okay. And I, you know, I had some uh, that were wrong. just like sketchy and like, yeah, they were all my own. <laughs> and then the last one was, uh, and I specifically saved it for last because it always gets the most last was the Red House furniture thing and I was just like I think these guys do the best job of creating something and at the same time it gives back to a local business and it's like not harmful pranky stuff mm. it's just right. it's just really good and I was always bummed that there wasn't more well so. I appreciate that you know I, and I'll go ahead and jump into this I think that jump into it Link you um, it means a lot coming from you because we've always respected you as a comedian there's there's lots of people on YouTube who might call themselves comedians but they're the people who just came up as YouTubers who, uh, no, I hear what you're saying. I they, struggled they call with themselves that title. comedian, but I'm just like, I don't find it funny. And honestly, right. I when it comes to what's the funniest thing we've ever done, I would easily put our local commercials at the top of the list and Red House up there because I don't, I don't know exactly why. Maybe it's because it's it's separated from us, mm. so I can appreciate it. Whereas I'm very self conscious of the stuff we try to do, and plus the stuff we do is it's for a, a wider audience, right. and for something yeah. to really resonate with a comedian that you respect, it has to be something that's very specific. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, I appreciate that. I think there's kind of this chip on our shoulder that we we you know what do what do the comedians that we yeah. respect, think of what we do because a lot of it is. That is a, I think, real big broad. issue for just YouTubers or people that make online content. Yeah. And, and there's that constant struggle of validation. Like, I want somebody who's not a YouTuber to like it or somebody who's uh -huh. like, you know, a, t a guy who was in movies 10 years ago to like, you know, just <laughs> you, you feel like uh -huh. you need that outside validation when, you know, you got there because of the YouTube. Community. Well, and, if you and, want to be a comedian, you want the respect of comedians, not yeah. just commenters. Right. I, I've struggled with that for so many years. I mean, it's like, 
now I think I'm a little older than when, when we all started, so right. we're a little bit more mature about it. But there was always that, oh, is this funny? Just because like, it's it's just like, I think a 13 year old might think it's funny or is it funny right. because I think it's yeah, funny. Yeah, because it doesn't necessarily uh, translate that what is actually funny is what rises to the top on yeah. YouTube. I mean, when we think about what what we're doing, I mean, the thing that makes us the most amused is definitely the local commercials, but we don't do them anymore. I know it's like a, and it's, you have to t- explain to me why because I don't really know <laughs> why. But because I just they feel ha- like they had to work in spite of us. Like people had to believe that they were real, uh-huh. and the more we associated them with us, the worse they would do because people want to believe that Chuck Testa made his own commercial, right? That the guys at Red House, Big Head and Ten Gauge. Conceptualize that commercial. Well, they the commercial always did, has to go, has to basically break before they find out that we're behind it. And yeah, but I, to me, that's what I like. Like, I like you guys we, yeah, bringing your like thing, that. and then you still use the people that are. I mean, the Red House one is like, it's not like you guys are in there saying all those things, black and white. It's right. just, every, you know, it's them doing no, but it. I'm just saying it's not forced. When it's people nice. find out that we're behind it. So, like, now when we, if we take oh, a, a okay, local I commercial see, yeah. and put it on, like, the Red and Link channel. Yeah then it's immediately, the people who are there waiting for the next music video or you know whatever, we haven't done a lot on, the, on that channel in a while, but when that happens again, they're, ex- they're not expecting another local commercial. They're like, what is, what is this? Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, it doesn't you mean- You guys gotta make more videos, yeah, by the way. We, oh yeah. <laughs> you guys slack. So, so that's, you know, that's, the, that's the challenge is like, how much do you listen to? Yeah. I, but it's the same thing for you. I mean- Yeah, I listen I, to just myself, it seems like, no, no, for the no, last I, year. <laughs> When it comes to that stuff. <laughs> no, I'm look at Ask Cassim, the show that yeah. you know we, yeah. uh, you know once once you went full body on green screen, <laughs> yeah, we were changed. like, this, no, we were like this. Yeah. No, and listen, this is it. This is my favorite thing on I the internet. I love that show, look, and to I watch the evolution too, yeah. of that show of like starting as a as a vlog that a lot of people were doing at the time, right? Then all of a sudden, oh no, he's on a green screen too. No, he's he's in a cowboy shot on a green screen too. Yeah. Oh, you know what? If you would just back up just a little bit. I know. I think if <laughs> if you would have told me, you know, because it's been, I don't know, three, two, three years since I've we made the last episode of that show. And for anyone that doesn't know it's a show, it was just like, you know how YouTubers have the uh, I'm going to respond to comments show? Right. You know, everyone yep. has their own version of that. And uh, I decided to do my version of it. And it started, like you said, just in my bedroom. Right. Um, and just putting But it became making fun of that genre. Yeah, totally. And, and then it became, I know I'm cutting you off, no, but I, well, I love in my mind me. it became, you were just like, F that genre, I'm just gonna, this is how I'm gonna be funny, and I'm just yeah. gonna make, I'm not longer even making fun of that. This is just crazy. It's just weird, but it had weird. its own flavor, which which took some time to get. It took, you know, until maybe episode it was specific, 20, 30. And it right. had a flavor, and it was... Um, at the time, you know, I didn't really like, I thought it was all right, but when it when we stopped doing it, and uh, we, all the messages we got, it was like more messages than I got than like any other type of series or anything that I did. People were just like, hey, you took something away that I looked forward to all the time, and it was right. unique, and it was this. And my only thing is like, now I, I totally get it. I have a lot of uh, nostalgia, even though it was very recent for that right, show. Right. And um like sometimes I'll go back and watch the last episode because it's kind of like it's a very a, epic a intro, touching <laughs> moment in the end where we're all just kind of like hugging it out, and it was uh, 
It was good. It's like Breaking Bad. They just, we we did it for a little bit. It was a thing, and then we, it's, it's gone. We took it away. Yeah, you but went out when on, you're on top. But, but it's just funnier and better. But based on the performance of it, you don't have as much incentive to go back to that as California On or uh, Cast and Go I, Deeper. I, I would love to do, and we talked about trying to work it into some sort of podcast. I've been toying around with a lot of things, but a podcast was something I wanted to do early, early, early before podcast took off, and the Ask Kassim thing kind of happened, and then it ended, and I was like, well, it'd be cool to turn it, take it and evolve it into something else. Um, but it really hinged on my animator, who was a great animator. He did all the you know, animated moving heads and all the- And that's John? He's the guy, no, this is a guy named Dan Flesher, who was super great. He turned that stuff around. We shoot it on a Monday morning, and um, he would have a cut ready by like Tuesday night, and okay. it, would, it would go out Wednesday morning. It's crazy. So- it was like uh, once once he realized how much work it was, and he started getting other job offers. He just got a, another job getting paid somewhere else, which uh, more than what we were paying him. And I was like, I can't afford to pay more. You know, we can't afford to pay more. And I was kind of like waffling on the whole idea anyway. So it's like, all right, we'll just we'll just call it here. But okay. I do s- still feel like I'm missing a whole, you know piece of engagement because i do like even though the comments if they were you know like mean or funny or whatever they were i enjoyed the engagement and being able to to do that uh i don't like to be this kind of like transient youtuber who just goes away and comes back every once in a while that was cool because it kept me there weekly and that's mm-hmm. why i thought of like a podcast or something or some sort of evolved as casim is still interesting to me but uh but i felt like that 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 ask casim um was kind of the evidence that y- you kind of wanted to do things on YouTube on your own terms. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I we always thought you were funny, respected you, and called you a comedian, not a YouTuber. You know, so based on the creative decisions you would make and the things you would do and the things you wouldn't do. Did you see that yourself? I mean, is that how you would approach things? Well, typically they would just... Yeah, uh, I mean... I would just vlog or I would do what other YouTubers are doing, but... Right, I Was did, but I did approach? that. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like I did all the standard stuff early YouTube days, like during the YouTube live days, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't go to seven, eight, nine, but it was around, you know, that whole time. It's like either you were just a vlogger, or you did something else. But you know, vlogging was an easy way in, and I did it, and I just felt so like it felt kind of gross to me. I mean, I I have the utmost respect for people that do it daily, but I didn't like having people peer into that side of my life. Hmm. It's a personal thing. And, so and it Shay does a, it, and it's great, because I watch Shay's vlogs. I don't yeah. watch a lot of YouTube videos, but I I watch Shay's vlogs because it's like watching your family that you know. And I, <laughs> and even though I do know them, I feel like that's what, how the audience sees it. So it was more of a privacy thing than it was a, a privacy, comedic standard thing. Yeah, it was, it was a privacy thing, and the comedic standard thing is definitely a part of it, because it's hard to... You like to craft and take time with jokes, not just turn on a camera and just upload whatever there is. It it, it seemed easier to me. Well, yeah, because it's the you know the the complete opposite of stand up, yeah. which is a thing that is honed over time and right you know, developed and and every beat is in, is in place. And then you say, oh, I'm just going to sort of just throw up my thoughts here and edit yeah. them together. Into but something. that's what makes you know at the same time that's why the most successful YouTubers do that stuff. But I just think I made an early decision to not include that stuff. And it had to do, like, at the time, I was going through a breakup, and it was like, all these things seemed to just not work for me at the time. But 
Um, and I'm kind of glad I tried it, you know, I, I can understand what it's like to have to turn on a camera and then like make something happen or just, I get it. And it, it's not easy and I'm, I don't want to diminish vlogging in any way. I just, it's not my style of, right. of content and it's, it's hard for me to do. It's much harder for me. Like Shay, I could turn a camera on and Shay will be bouncing off the walls and something will happen. His kid will hit the ceiling, you know, and I just, I'll sit there and I'll just think of something weird. And uh, I feel like more people would be uh, kind of put off by me if they got inside my head more, you know? Well, you never know. Yeah, well, you never know. We uh, we want to come back to you and YouTube and uh, just your, yeah, your, me too. Your, your entire story. Um, but I know in the in the time that you haven't been making as many videos, you've been doing a lot of interesting things, including yeah, I'm uh, trying driving in the Baja 1000. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, because you came here when we shot the What Women Want music video, yeah. and you were driving this like Baja out truck. Yeah, I you know I grew up in Southern California for the most part. I've been here since '93, so that the whole off-road motorsports world kind of sunk into me when I was like in high school. And um, yeah, like to me, my first two vehicles were trucks, and I still have my my Toyota Tacoma, which I uh, did some work to because I enjoyed off-roading, and. Um, it's not the slow rock crawly type stuff that you'll see, you know, yeah. on the East Coast. Out here, we do fast, you know, sort of through the desert, jump off dunes type off-roading. Yeah, you to can me get some fun. air. You get some air, yeah. That's the most fun, getting all four tires off the ground. But um, so what happened with the Baja 1000, the long story short is I was shooting- And this is like the most epic, just to give people the definition. Yeah. We went to the Baja 500. Oh, you went? Uh, one time. Yeah. We can tell you more about that, but so the 1000 is twice that. It's yeah out of Ensenada, Mexico, and you're going down the- the Baja Peninsula. Baja Peninsula. Yeah, on 1, both sides. Miles. 1,000 miles. This last one was 1275. So it was wow. um, from Ensenada to La Paz. And, and anybody, and how long does that take for the winter? Uh, I mean, the winners are doing of it- like the four-wheel class. Yeah, the winners are doing it in like less than a day. Um, I, I forget what the winning times were. I wanna say like, like 18 in a hours, truck? 20 hours. You, no, these guys are running, like the guys that finish first are running like, uh, there's the unlimited class, there's a trophy truck class. Uh, they look like desert monster trucks. They they are. I mean, but they, anybody can enter, like you could enter in like a There's the same Volkswagen entrance fee Beetle. for every, every uh, category of racers or every, uh, what do you call it, group. It's the same entrance fee and it's the same prize money at the end, which is like, I don't know, 4,000 bucks or 1,000 bucks, but nobody, you know, you get these teams that are sponsored by multi-million dollar companies and their trucks are, you know, the race trucks worth almost a million, but, and then they have like three or four chase trucks that are all like a few hundred yeah. grand. I mean, there's, there's a lot, and they have helicopters that follow them. I mean, there's so much money in it. My, my problem is that like, there's no one really doing a good job of televising the sport. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I watched a documentary when I was younger called uh, Dust of Glory, and it's a documentary on the Baja 1000, and I thought it captured the whole spectacle perfectly. Like it's a holiday for the Mexicans down there. Kids are out of school. The trucks are lined up on the street for contingency. You can just go up and talk to the drivers, take pictures with it, get in the trucks. And I think that's so cool. And when I was finally down there to, to see it, it was just, it was mind boggling. It literally is like Christmas down there for everyone. There's no school. There's, uh, there's nothing but like bros and race, like in race shirts and black build hats cruising around and yeah. black socks. And uh, and it's kind of a free for all. Like the stories we would hear from drivers was, you'll be going over a hill, and then 
Some Mexicans will have created a homemade yeah. booby trap. Like booby traps. Dragging <laughs> like. <laughs> booby traps are part of the race. Ma- dra- yeah. Dragging a mattress out. So when you land, you're landing on a mattress. It's cr- it, the, the spectators down there are both really fun and re- can be really scary. Because if you're doing 100 miles an hour and you hit a jump and you can't see what's on the other side of it. Uh, there may be a, a, <laughs> the, a kid or a cow. There's, somebody dies almost every, every year, year, I yeah. feel like. Um, and they, they're so close. The spectators are so close. You could just, if they stuck their hand out, yeah, they'd lose That's the it. thing we couldn't believe was we were actually, we had access to the big river ditch thing there in Ensenada at the start. Yeah, right, right. Where everybody that's was just pictures lined right up yeah. against there. Because mm-hmm. this was like 08, I guess, with Cadillac. Hummer, uh, Hummer. Hummer, Hummer, yeah, yeah, Hummer. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that truck. And uh, and so we got to like be with Rod Hall's team. Mm-hmm. And... I just remember so many people just lined up there and these trucks coming through there and just spinning out. I was like, if they lost control, they would just roll right into this crowd of oh, people. Oh, well, the fir- like uh, the race started, four or five trucks in, um, it's coming down to go into the ditch down that embankment and it just rolls over into a group <laughs> of people. Okay. And right, so you would think like, oh my God, the horror, but they all scattered and then after they realized nobody was killed, the entire place just cheered and erupted. <laughs> it was like the, I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome! Oh, it's so man. dangerous, so dangerous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's up to you. Let's go back uh, to the beginning of Casim G, the human being, yeah, not the comedian the human being. So, uh, where are you from? Where's your Where are your parents from? Um, Let's well, get, get nationality yeah, up. Yeah, in yeah. Here. I was born in Jordan in '83 to a Jordanian father and an Egyptian mother, and. Um, I didn't ever live in Jordan. I, I was just born there and maybe stayed there for like two, three months. And then as a family, we all moved to Saudi Arabia. So I spent the four, first four years of my life living in a compound in Saudi Arabia. You, you, but you don't remember any of that. I do remember a little bit. Uh, I remember my last, my fourth birthday party just because there was like a huge Mickey Mouse cake and like. What do you mean a compound? A compound is like in, in Saudi Arabia, there's a lot of people that go there for work and they don't necessarily have to be Middle Eastern. They could be white people on business, but they build these sort of like concrete neighborhoods mm-hmm. that are walled off. Yeah. And there's, you know, one entrance, one exit sort of thing, and it's safer. Um, and that's where we lived. And there were other Middle Eastern people. There were white people that lived there. Um, my dad worked in the hotel biz. So, yeah, a lot of the business people worked there. And, and we lived there for until 87 and moved to Florida uh, because my dad got a promotion uh, and was offered a visa. Uh, so he worked for the hotel in Florida. Yeah. Yeah, so we he got his ability to leave the country because when you're in those countries, you can't leave unless an American company offers you a job in America uh, so you can get a working visa or you marry somebody that's an American citizen. So mm-hmm. there's really not a whole lot of options, which I realized last year when I went back to Jordan, which is it's a different story, but um, he got his visa and we moved to Florida and uh, we did six years uh, in Florida, think of it like a prison sentence. So till you were <laughs> you know? t- ten years old, Florida. I mean, that's where everybody, you know, my brother all, was born there. All the weird stuff happens. All the great all, news stories come where from. Where the worst stuff happens in the world. But what is it like being eight, nine, ten years old in school? This Jordanian Egyptian kid. It was very weird. Um, I was. What part I of Florida in, are we talking about? This is Kissimmee, like Orlando. Okay, but Kissimmee, uh, which is much worse. It's where we go to playlist. 
you know, where a yeah. playlist is and yeah. they put you yeah. up in those. Right. It's like right next to all the attractions. So it's a tourist town. Yeah. But it was right next to the Marriott World Trade Center where my dad worked. So he had a little short five minute drive there. Um, what was your question? Was it was it a pleasant place for you to be no. as an outsider? No. Uh, I had, I think it happened more when I moved to California, but I was, as a kid, I was very self-conscious of being a foreigner in mm-hmm. a in America, and um, you know I might have had a little accent when I came here, and I I didn't do things right, uh, like raise my hand the correct way, or like you know little things that you get corrected on. Um, but all you want to do is just assimilate and fit in and not stand out as a kid mm-hmm. from another country living in this country. And uh, I have a thing that I'm writing, which hopefully will shed a whole bunch of light on this stuff, but. It was kind of like hard. Like an email? It's a, it's, it's a show. It's a TV show, which it has like flashbacks of me as a hmm. kid. And there was, uh, but it takes place when I moved to California and I was like 10. trying okay. Kind of like the Wonder Years because that was my favorite show. Growing mm-hmm. up. Um, and I think part of the reason I screwed, I just was so weird because I, I did watch the Wonder Years and I thought that's how families were supposed to be acting. You know, like, uh, like Wayne, the big brother treating Kevin like S, sorry, I know you bleeped the show. Yeah, you, uh, right, you were, I never watched the Wonder Years, but you were obsessed with it. Very big I was cried at like every episode. Oh, there was you a lot of You come to school crying. the next day and you're like, oh, yeah. I watched, did you watch the Wonder yeah. Years? Paul and night? Kevin really connected last right. night. Right, and uh, I, I was treating my brother like crap because I had a younger brother, so I was like, I gotta be like Wayne and hit my brother around and lock <laughs> him out of his, you know, out of everything. Um, so... There was one specific, okay, so that's that's Florida. We lived there till 87. I, I go to Montessori school and part of public elementary school there. Okay. My brother's born. Dad gets another job. Now it's in California. So it's 93, okay? We leave Florida, which just had Hurricane Andrew, and then we come to California, and then a few months later, we have the earthquake, the yeah. 94 earthquake. So we thought we brought a lot of bad luck with us. <laughs> but um, kind of 93 in, in Southern California is where, like, most of the story picks up, you know. Um, going to school, fifth and sixth grade, started in fifth grade, so I, I did most of elementary school, middle school, and high school all out here. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, just to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about how I felt, and I was, felt very alienated, is a story I tell that kind of sums it up pretty well. When I moved to California, started a new school. It's one of the first days of school, right? And I didn't have any friends, and I was... Uh, just kind of like a wandering dude, just mm-hmm. like that weird guy at the party at parties that hangs in the kitchen, just waiting for people to talk to him. Sort of, I was that guy. And uh, one afternoon after lunch, our teacher said, "Okay, we're going to do an activity in the quad." And in the quad, there was a painted mural of the United States, right, with all the states of uh, all outlined and bordered and everything. Okay. And she said, "Okay, kids, you guys go stand on the state you were born in. It'll be real fun. It'll be real fun to see." <laughs> and uh, so like all the kids, she you know, didn't so think through that one. A couple kids walked over to like where New York might be or was, as most of the kids were huddled around Southern California. This is some weird kid from Washington, and then you would look over, and I was standing in a planner maybe fifty yards away, just <laughs> because that's where I thought I would be relative yes. to the United States. And and I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just like, I'm not from that mural. I don't. <laughs> That's not where I came from. I'm from the planner. Right. And so I'm feeling soup. I'm, it's like me and then the rest of the class, right? And they're all looking at me because the teacher's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm born in Jordan. It might be over here somewhere. And I, I look over and there's another kid who's kind of close to me. His, his name was Craig, normal white kid, blended in perfectly. God yeah. bless him. 
And he was kind of standing by me, and I was like, where were you born? He was like, Saudi Arabia. My, <laughs> my dad was on business. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so, so was, me and Craig kind of hit it off. Wow, I, so you, I you were thinking feeling, the same thing. I went from feeling like the most alienated person in the world, more alone than I have ever you know, and then looking over and seeing like, oh, there's a there's a buddy there's who Craig. knows what it's like. There's <laughs> a white dude here. Yeah, <laughs> he knows how long a plane flight is. <laughs> um, oh, that's great. So that was it's moments like that that kind of shaped me as a kid. And there's endless moments like that, but um, it was it was weird. It's more weird for me as an adult to look back at it because when you're a kid, you're just going through it, and you're like, even when I was twenty and twenty two, it's like I was just a kid. Who cares, you know? But as you get older, then you, especially when you hit like 30 and you start asking yourself, like, who am I? Why am I here? And yeah. uh, you start to reflect on a lot of that stuff. And for a while, I was like angry with my parents for not like instilling culture in me. But they did, you know, then then you're like feeling great for your parents because I got a chance to go back to Jordan to see how hard it was for my family or my dad to leave. And was that this the purpose whole new of the trip? Well, my grandma got sick last year. Um and since I had never been back to Jordan since I was there for that first three months and they had been asking me to come and I just was like, oh, no, I got my own thing going. I was always younger in school or something. But mm -hmm. when my grandma got sick uh, last year around April, uh, it was like a very last minute thing. Me and my brother just got back from Hawaii visiting my folks. And then three days later, me, my dad, my mom, my brother all on a plane to Jordan to go see my sick grandma. And it was also like, you know, meeting your cousin i had i have one cousin that lives in the united states that i talked to his name's uh michelle and he's you know he lived with us when we were younger and he's like a brother to me and my brother but other than that i don't know any hmm. other family members really so i got to go back and meet cousins and cousins and cousins and <laughs> grandparents and people that, are, that all share your own blood that you've never seen before uh which and then you talk to them and you you find out what their lives are like and you're like well my isn't my s is not as bad as what these guys are going through right now or it's just very different and i'm very lucky to be where i'm at mm -hmm. it was it was good and i had a lot of respect for my my mom and especially my dad for making that that leap now you said that there was a time that you you had some resentment towards your parents because they didn't instill yeah. enough of your heritage. Right, that, so maybe when I was like 25 or something, you know, just when you start to like, you know, your car insurance rates get lower and then you start thinking more inwardly yeah. about yourself um, and realizing you probably have a ton of emotional problems that you've never dealt with. You know, that's, I, I had for a while and it wasn't a long time, but we, I got into a fight with my parents for not instilling more of the culture in me, but they did. They 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 did, and they continue to, and they never turned their back on their culture. They just had to do certain things to, um, like for example, like the day after nine eleven, we bought an American flag, right? And I was like, why do we have to do this? It's like, I, I was upset about that later. Like, why'd you guys yeah. have to do that? I mean, we, we I know you were just trying to blend in, but that's just what being in this country is about. You you support the country that you live in, and you're proud of where you came from. Um, and they did their best, but I didn't think that for a long time. Uh, that was just my ignorance. You know, my parents worked really hard to get us here, me and my brother. Mm -hmm. So, and did you deal? I mean, I know a lot of kids who, uh, whose parents are from another place kind of deal with that embarrassment of their parents. Oh, yeah. Them. They did drop us off like a mile away from school or we would walk. You know, there was no way I didn't invite them to parent teacher night or the PTA open house. 
like <laughs> they would mysteriously never get those invites. Um, <laughs> I was embarrassed. I, I really, I really was. It was, it was uh, not. It just made me stand out more than I needed to. Because in my, in my, in my world at that time, as a 16, 15 year old, I just needed to be playing the game, just socially, just be normal, be a regular dude. Don't be that weird foreign guy, you know, whose mom cooks weird things and. Like she would, she'd cook weird things and the smell would get on my sweatshirt and I'd like wash my clothes a lot mm. just to make sure I wasn't, so I'd have people check me and like always smelling myself and it's, it, it does a lot of <laughs> bringing weird foods to lunch, you know, like who, <laughs> you know, it's like I showed people for the first time what pita bread was, I think, you know, right. during, and it's so. Before pita was yeah, pita. it was awkward at the time and now Forget it's. Forget Maker Studios, if you'd have gotten in on that one here. <laughs> I should have that brought Peter. That was your ticket. Yeah, uh, it was. It was hard, but I am so grateful for the fact that I had to go through it a little bit differently than a lot of people I know. Because I think it made me who I am, and it made me, you know, I was very defensive and I didn't like being made fun of. So I had to develop some sort of like quick wit because it was the only thing I had. So that was My, the was, I was that was the development and, of the comedy yeah, that, was the coping mechanism. Right. I had to keep people's attention off of like my either glasses, my nose, my crooked teeth, or my acne with some other method. And what was your your biggest venue? A wisecrack here and there or did you uh find a larger audience at a young age? Mm, I think I was I was very much the class clown, but I think I remember specifically in sixth grade I was in a I was in drama in sixth grade, and the first show, I improvised a thing where I hit somebody in a butt with a giant mallet, like a, a rubber mallet. <laughs> I'm laughing right now. And, and uh, I, I improvised it was like someone she, in the butt. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was such a, a cool move, you know, go off script. But I got a huge laugh, a huge laugh. And I was <laughs> thinking about it now, it's so dumb. But it was, it was <laughs> like crack, I guess. It was, it was like, oh. Oh, see how this works. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, okay, all right. I'm buying mallets now. I'm buying big rubber mallets. Um, but yeah, I, I I didn't do. I think I wanted to do drama in high school and things like that. But I was too worried about my social order to to risk being labeled as a, a drama person. Yeah. Um. So I I experienced that stuff in like call the community college. Uh, was like the first time I ever, you know, decided to do it seriously and and take some classes and then I took some formal classes actually just down the street from you guys I just passed it and had all these terrible flashback memories of my old acting school on the way here really? which, which which one was it Actors I don't want to I, I don't want to drop them <laughs> I don't want to drop them because they weren't that great uh, but I did meet a lot of cool people in there and there were some good teachers there but I wouldn't recommend it okay. the unnamed place <laughs> so you said that you're mining your experiences as a kid uh, for a show, yeah, You're but just I starting don't, to write. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it because it. I don't. I'm. I don't. I'm not the type of guy that. Because it may not ever happen, but I am trying to write a, a a TV show that deals with my experiences as a kid, and and specifically, you know, like when I moved here and how so that it's, worked. Uh, it's like you want to do this. It's on spec, kind of a thing. It's not you. Yeah, it's, it's not something that's bought that we're going to see. No, in a no, no, no. Of, this is something that you're conjuring no, I'm up. No, I'm hoping to get a pilot written and then go pitch it. Uh, and it'll be made. It just it depends on who wants to make it now. And and um, I'm in this place where I want to do things that are like that mean that mean something. And they're like stuff I would show could show my parents, and it would be like it would be good. You know, mm -hmm. as much as I loved 
doing California and all those things, it, it, there's only so much of those you can do before you want to try and do something bigger. Uh, and then I'm also like seven years older than when I first started eight years older doing YouTube videos. So my, your sensibilities change. Um, right. And what you think is good changes. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna try and do something that's not just so forgettable, I feel like. Well, let's let's mm. connect the dots and, and, and then come back to that. Mm -hmm. Kind of move through the the uh, the YouTube story. Mm -hmm. So, community college, you're doing a little. You're you're yeah. taking some classes, that kind of thing. I was taking improv. I was doing. When did you get into the stand up thing? Because you're living out in I was Ventura li County. I was living in in Ventura County and driving. I was working at Best Buy full time and then taking acting classes uh, after I would get off my shifts. What were you an expert in at Best Buy? What was your oh, section? I'm, I'm a I'm a home theater guy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's I a... am a, I'm a I love speakers. I love sound and uh, five point one it up. Sure, man. You know, five, seven point one these and seven point two get ten point four. You don't still work there, do you? No, no. <laughs> Sometimes I'll go back into Best Buy and just like cry. You know, just like by the office chairs and remember the pain that I suffered there. Well, at least you weren't at Circuit City. Right. Well, you're then right. You have no place to go back to. You're right. But either way, both those stores are screwed. Uh, <laughs> or one of them. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, so, yeah, I was working at Best Buy. I was taking acting, formal acting classes in North Hollywood. Um, so, and it then wasn't doing just strictly comedy. It was. I did acting. stand up. I, well, I, I was doing stand I guess you back up. I was doing stand up. Um, and improv before I decided to do formal acting classes, like where I would pay money to these So yeah, I, I was I was doing uh, improv, and then my improv teacher at community college, a guy by the name of John Laprino, super nice guy, um, was an actor himself, and uh, really saw whatever I thought I had, he saw it too, and he he took extra special, took extra special time with me and like talked to me and, and told me to do stand up and he was the first person I did stand up in front of and was the reason why I went out and did uh open mics and things like that and um but uh all this stuff kind of happens around the same time so forgive me if the details are a little hazy but I was doing stand up on the weekends take and then I start I decided I would also strengthen my acting muscle which is still needs a ton of strengthening, but I was going to learn it and, and try and work on it. So I was taking classes, and then by this time I went down to part-time at Best Buy because I knew that uh, I was, this was like a, a, the train was going to stop soon and I needed to get out and figure out where I was going. Um, oh, at Best Buy, before I actually quit and before I went to part-time, I hired a gentleman by the name of Corey, Mr. Safety Williams. Mm -hmm. And it said that on his resume? Yeah, it said Mr. S no, I don't know what it said. I actually didn't even see his resume. Some guy's like, yeah, some guy's here want needs a job. Uh, he looks like a, a nice dude. And I was like, all right. And I interviewed him. And he told me in the interview that he moved from Modesto because he had a, a viral cat video. Uh, that was huge. You know, I saw it. I saw it had like, I don't know, 100,000 views at the time. I, I forget yeah, yeah. what was a lot back then. You, you had already seen it or you went and saw it after? No, no, you? I saw it after. Okay. I think he maybe even showed it to me then. I don't know. He had a newspaper clipping of him from the Modesto, <laughs> which was funny. It was very Corey. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, and We got to know Corey. Yeah, we later, all did. So and yeah, I, that makes sense. And I wouldn't know you guys if it wasn't for, for Corey either. So right. God bless him. Uh, so Corey got hired and he was telling me that there's this, and at this time I was putting stand-up clips on YouTube. I had a YouTube account, but it wasn't under Casm G. I would just take, I would tape my sets and then 
what put what I thought were funny jokes, which they weren't, but I'd put them on. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what this is the future. You just put these clips online, and then yeah. they'll and then people will love them. Get the big hits, right? And then nobody watched them, and and it. I didn't understand anything about the community, but Corey's like, there's a whole group of people that like want content, but you got to like talk to them, and you got to like you know get in. And he showed me like there's like YouTube meetups, and there's these things, and um, he pretty much held my hand as uh, in the very beginning. Yeah, and, he won- and- as one of the one of the top comedic YouTubers who also had a cat who in the cat's own right was a top YouTuber. The cat the cat definitely I don't know when it happened, but there must have been a time where the cat was bigger than than all of us probably. So I mean Corey was gung ho. Corey I mean, was well, so nice. He, he's, yeah. he is gung ho in life. He's gung ho in life. But he and and he applied all of that to YouTube. But, uh-huh. but and he, he was, was a like, hell of a salesman too. You got yeah, great salesman. He's like you got to <laughs> in Best Buy, but yeah. also for you to get on YouTube. Why? So one specific thing, he was like, "All right, I'm going to put you in a video. Uh, we'll shoot it on your lunch break, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, whatever." And uh, I'll upload it later tonight. And I was like, "Whatever, okay." And we shot this thing kind of like in the truck receiving area and back and. And I don't know what it was. It was pretty dumb. Uh, I was like holding a stereo that he broke. And he uploaded it. And then like the next day it had like, I don't know how many thousands of views. But I was, uh, I went and did stand up that night <laughs> at a uh, local Chinese restaurant. Uh, <laughs> and there weren't a thousand. And there, were, there. <laughs> and there was no one there to see me. There was The only people there were like finishing their chow mein and their orange chicken, and they were probably going to leave soon. But it was not a room built for comedy in any way. <laughs> really? They had to move a piano like into the corner. Um, and there was, I was doing stand up, and it was fine or whatever, but there was six people there. And I went home and looked on this video, and there were like thou- whatever many thousands of views on this one video. And I was like, what, what's, what am I not doing right here? You know, there's all these eyeballs here, people craving this stuff here, and I'm talking to an effing wall in this Chinese yeah. restaurant. <laughs> so that was an important, I remember that specifically as a moment where I, I decided I think I would try and crack some sort of, you know, try and make some format or make YouTube videos. And I from then it's kind of a blur because then you get swept up in all the YouTube meet and greets, right? Yeah. And then you collab, which is, oh man, you got to collab when you first start. And uh, the fact that you guys asked me to be in Fat Dip and I was on the moon. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be in Fat Dip. I just steams in it. And uh, uh, I don't know. I don't remember anyone else. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were, we made up our minds that, okay, we're coming out to LA to shoot this thing. There's a good number of YouTubers out there. We're gonna reach out to everybody we know. Corey was involved mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. his own videos. That's how I, so Corey, I was part of a Sanyo yep. Zaki Sanyo. campaign, uh, the first camera. one. Because yeah. they came out with a second one, the second campaign, and we ended up, I made, made videos for it. Then. Oh, you okay. did? Yeah. And that's what's, that, that money started Seated Maker. That's how we started right. our company. Because it wasn't long after that that it was the second no, round. No, no. So, this, so, this, yeah, so we got Zachty everybody. days, as I like to call them. I, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you from our perspective, um, so we're just asking everyone we know, and we told Corey to ask everyone he knew. So I think that's probably how you showed up. Yeah, I, yeah. I'll just be honest to say you didn't know. We didn't know you were coming. Oh, I didn't expect anyone to know who I was. <laughs> I was like just happy to to be there because I, you know, it felt like uh, I was like, oh, this is happening, man. So, <laughs> so we're like, being a retinling video. We're around the pool. We're like giving the speech to everybody, and then all of a sudden it's like, okay, here's Casim. What do you want him to do? And then. It was our first meeting, uh-huh. and then you turn around and you pull your pants down, and you have on a G-string. Oh, 
And, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. And then, so then we proceed to put you in the most clothes of anyone yeah. in the entire video. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had this you like me a snow jacket. snowboarding jacket yeah. that I flew from North Carolina with because I thought it would be funny. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to put it on uh, And this Cassim. was a Tom Petty's house? Yes. His old house? This was Tom, Tom Petty's, Petty's old yeah. house. Yes. God, the memories we had there. So yeah. you you got a good shot. You you plopping in the pool with I like got the a most very on. good shot. Very boy. No G string. You had on pants. You know those days when you can like just count your subscribers coming in. Yeah. You know after you collab, it's like you don't leave the computer for a while. Yeah. Right. You're like, hold on, honey, I got three hundred more just came in. <laughs> yeah, I'll come to bed soon. Uh, it was it was like crack. You know, you just wanted to collab and collab and collab and collab and collab. Um, you hadn't done a California on it that. No, point. no. So like I got to know so throughout all the YouTube meetups, right? I met Shay, uh, I met Phil, I met Shane, I met uh, you guys. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people. Um, and we just, me, Shay, and Phil got along pretty well. And we, us three hung out. And it was more like F Shay and Phil were buds, you know, and I was still just kind of like a no one. I knew I was funny, but it was just like, all right, you know, this, uh, I'm still cutting my teeth, getting my lumps. Um mm -hmm. And by that time, I had, let's see, quit Best Buy, but I transferred to a Magnolia Audio video store. So I still had, I was still selling TVs. <laughs> but now it wasn't in Fun Best Buy. It was in Dreary Magnolia Audio Video, which is a standalone store owned by Best Buy. It was right on Wilshire in Santa Monica. Because I moved mm. I moved from Ventura County to Santa Monica so I could audition. Because I, I had a commercial agent. And I thought I was going to like be in a bunch of commercials and... And I needed to be close because I couldn't drive an hour and a half, two hours uh, at a drop of a hat for an audition. It was too far. So I moved to Santa Monica and... Uh, um, the station forms. Yeah. I mean, th that happened kind of a little bit after uh, the... Almost exactly after that, that second San Zacti campaign where we all had to do the same thing except just like... Uh, it was a new camera this time. I don't know yeah. what it was, right? You guys did it too, right? Or we didn't, didn't do the second, second one. The second one. Okay. So the second one was like one of the first times I actually got paid to do a video. Um, the first time was when I did a, a collab with Lisa and Shay for a Crank 2 movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that was our first collab. But the, the actual one where we got paid, uh, I think we got paid 30K total for all of us. And we just... We just said, okay, well, we'll put that money back into, let's start this studio where we, because some of us could write, some of us could shoot, some of us could edit, but no one really could do it all together. And then the idea of the studio was just to have a place where we could pool resources and share resources. A and central push, location, because it was Lisa's and Danny's house well. at that moment. Yeah, we okay. were all just working out of Danny's backyard. Right. And uh, you and Lisa was editing, the, and Danny was editing the videos and it was a it was a waste of time because they needed to be doing other things. So, if we could bring in like an editor, and like hire a guy to shoot, and maybe uh, rent a space where we could keep this stuff, you know, it, it would give us a place to talk ideas. We'll put up a green screen in a room where we want to shoot, and it was very much just that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then I think I did California on was the first time. So the and station- you still had a okay, day job at the time. I still had a day job and that was coming to a very quick end when I made one phone call. I, I was, I thought, I, and Phil has a new show and I thought, Phil has this new show. Um, I can easily go to the beach, Venice Beach, do a man on the street 
cut together like a quick segment and then have him use it in the video kind of like a throw to field report. Correspondent. So, correspondent, right? So I I texted Phil, which I was okay friends with at the time. I was like, hey, if you want, I can... It's no pressure. Like, I've, I've never been the guy to say, hey, put me in, or like, hey, when are you going to put me in? That's not my style. But I did call him, and I was like, hey, if you want, I can go shoot something today uh, for your new show that you're putting up tomorrow. Just tell me if you have any ideas of stories that you're going to talk about. And he was he was doing a story on Miss California, uh, some like racy photos that got leaked. Mm-hmm. So I took a, I took my roommate, Alex. Um, I called in sick to work. I didn't go because I, by that time I was... I hated every second I was in that place. I called in sick, said, I'm going to go do this. And uh, I took my, ca- I, I borrowed Corey's camera, the one that he shot me and Kitty on. I took that camera, gave it to my roommate who doesn't know how to use cameras, <laughs> realized we didn't have a microphone. We stopped by a Radio Shack on our way down to the beach, bought a corded Radio Shack microphone <laughs> with too short of a cord so we can never get a wide enough shot. <laughs> and then when we got down to the beach, it was super sunny and uh, my roommate Alex doesn't know how to expose a camera, so the whole video is blown out. <laughs> yeah, and so you, you can kind of like an effect. You can kind of see me, and you can kind of see me talking to people, and you can hear it fine. But um, I just didn't know how to fix. I didn't know how to do that stuff, and I didn't know how to edit. I knew very little, but I knew I could just take clips of this interview and smush them together and make something that's short. Right, because it, it turns out none of that mattered. What mattered was yeah, I, I was you so had, shocked. You had balls mm. to to say the things you were saying to these people. To you got good things out of people, but you were in character. Yeah, it seemed like and not it wasn't far. It's not like there was much of an evolution either. If you look at California on in success, even the most recent ones. It's not much different. I mean, yeah, it's ter- a little. It's a little. Of- it's less malicious because I I was quick to realize that I I should not make fun of the people on the boardwalk because I'm here every day and this is where I live and I would rather be a part of the fabric than tearing it up. So I kind of switched my attention after like the second one because there was an incident with a homeless guy that I made fun of and I felt really bad about. Um, and his family didn't know he was homeless, and they they saw the video, and then they found out he was homeless. Hmm. And, and how, did, how came, did you find that? He out? came up to me the next time I was on the beach. He's like, "Hey, my, you, what's the deal? My family knows I'm homeless. Uh, you, you're ruining my life." And I was, I felt really bad. And then I like for some reason just gave him ten bucks out of my pocket, <laughs> and he said thanks and walked away. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> that okay, was, yeah. was and so I was like, "Oh, than I was expecting." He took my ten bucks. So I guess we're even. Um, but I really had to like think about what I was doing out there. Instead of trying to get the easy laugh, uh, there's another way to do it where you can still get the laugh and not be so mean. So I think there is a slight, I mean, it's not a dramatic, but there. You, now the Californians versus when I first started, I, I tend to only make fun of tourists and people that are just passing and going, young kids, you know, stuff like that, that are, are happy with it. But stayed away from making the locals in Venice look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's not what I was there to do, and and I love Venice. I think Venice is one of my favorite places in the world, and uh, and and I feel like more people came to visit Venice once they saw those videos. Because there's that wall that I always shoot in front of. It's, it's kind of a pompous thing to say, but people would would always want to come down and and see where my filming spot was. And I figured I had some sort of responsibility. To not be a dick or an hmm. ass, uh, yeah. Because a- every, a-hole. because everybody you quickly discovered, 
it is a community. And, it is a community. And if you keep stepping in there, right. they're going to re- they're recognize. And and they were nice, it. and they let me slide on you know a couple early screw ups. Uh, but then this sort of whole prankster thing happened, and people started coming to shoot videos um, in Venice that were not in good you know they weren't in good spirits, and they were a little malicious. And uh, I felt like I had to kind of maybe take a step back because I wasn't liking where all that was going. People on the boardwalk would associate me with pranksters. And uh, so when you saw the Sam Pepper video, like the pinnacle of this, uh, the controversy. Yeah. Look, what was your? What was your? I was like, how did you react? Well, you know, you could say what you want about the content. I just felt like it, it was, it was not, it was not the type of stuff <laughs> that I would be into or like to watch and I feel like I don't know who would be yeah. into watching this sort of thing. Um, and it felt like it was giving the the area a bad name because it wasn't just Sam Pepper. I mean there was there's other people that mm-hmm. just came and went and and I don't I don't have like I don't own the boardwalk, but I just if I see something I don't like, I would rather just be like oh, F it, I'll just step back, you know, and like let these guys run themselves into the ground. I, I, I didn't want to contribute to any of that in any way. So I think that would come as a surprise to unless you've shared this with other people, uh, that one of the reasons that you, you know, lowered the frequency of those videos had to do with the that's, way that that's a small reason. That the the way that it was kind of infiltrated by these other guys the who were timing. Out there. You know, the timing was a thing, you know. And then I I was up in my own head about how to change the show because it's fine, and I'm glad people appreciate it. And, and and when when every day I read a tweet that's like, "Did you die? Where's the thing? How come you don't make videos? You're such a deadbeat." I know that's just people saying like, "We miss your videos. Just make more," and that's fine. I get that comes from a good place, but uh, I I I didn't feel like that show was in a spot to just keep going, um, and I still will will make them. And but I want to make them different. And I guess the whole reason I'm here is to pimp out this Bigfoot special, but this ties in nicely because the Bigfoot special is 30 minutes long and it's like kind of like a Calion, but it, it turns into something completely different and uh, we're real happy with it. I feel like there's some heart in it and it's... So it's in the it's it's finished and it's going to be just, released. We just came uh, from a final round of notes just now and it's supposed to be ready for uh, to send out tomorrow and it should be on YouTube hopefully a week from tomorrow. On your channel? On my channel. And it's 30 minutes. 30 minutes with an extra bonus uh, video. But I felt like, look, I know I've been gone for a long time and you guys have no idea and I don't update you about what I do. But here's like, you know, I've been doing a lot of stuff and here's one of them. Here's a fun little 30 minute uh, video. It's the least I could do for the viewers. But and it was happens? a lot of fun. So, but, I mean, what's new about it? You're not just interviewing people on Venice about Bigfoot for no, 30 no, minutes, all, it's, are you? It's like a... No, no, no. It's not in Venice at all. It's it's my own Bigfoot special where I go on the road to go hunt for Bigfoot. It has nothing to do with California on. It's in California, and it starts with some man on the street stuff that's California on style. Got it. But the rest is more of a travel documentary, me and my uh, road crew. And you've been working on this for quite some time. Right, yeah. I mean, it's it, we, finished, we filmed it in August, but uh, I decided that I would, A, race in the Baja 1000, I... Uh, cast in another thing I had to shoot. And then I had decided I would do all the artwork for this video on my own, uh, which was a bad idea because I don't know how to do art and it takes mean? a long time. What do you mean do artwork? I decided I would have some artwork in there. Some um, some dramatizations, some illustrated reenactments. 
Um, animation. Well, it's watercolor that I had somebody cheaply animate stuff okay. onto. Okay. And it has it's so the watercolors in in this. It, it's sh- called California on Bigfoot. It's called California on Sasquatch and Sasquatch. not finding Bigfoot special. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, a, so there's or a spoiler a tale in the title. Of the virtue of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all the watercolors that is your work. It's all my work. Uh, <laughs> okay. And I think it matches my sort of lo-fi. I mean, the art's not very good, and um, this video. You know, I think we we had a lot of fun making it, but it's it's not like a fancy slick video. It's it's it's. I think it's a good next step for Callion is doing these things, and we want to do a ghost one. And I want to do aliens, and these are things I'm kind of into in like regular life, which is a lot easier than thinking about your own feelings and problems. Okay, it's which I want to find out about. Stuff. I want to find out about that because you know when I hear Kasim G is uh, interested in the Sasquatch, yeah. uh, the, oh th- the, the what I think is okay. He's going to have his day with these people who are into Sasquatch. He's screwing with everybody. I I don't screw with these people at all I th- it's something that um, if somebody's gonna come out and talk to me about something that's very real to them about a something and and when they tell you these things are most of the time that you can tell it's very authentic and it's not something that they probably talk to and a lot of people said look I've never told anyone this because I think people will think I'm crazy but mm-hmm. yeah I've seen one like I saw one it was fucking, I didn't know what what to think of it it was just weird and um, my job is to not make fun of that. My job is to, is at least for this video, to encourage more information because I'm genuinely interested. So where's the comedy? Well, the comedy, the comedy comes from the absurdity of the situation that we're in. Um, there's there's moments in there. It's it's not like it's not like California where we try a rapid fire jokes. There's like a, there's an arc and there's like a, a whole a whole thing. I'm interested to see what you guys think about it. When okay. You see it. Uh, so if there's you got a, thirty minutes to spare. <laughs> there is a legitimate search. We you go with thermal cameras. How did you night become vision. interested in this? I've, all, I've always loved. I mean, you know, there's a Leonard Nimoy rest in peace documentary that I watched when I was a kid uh, about finding, you know, searching for Bigfoot, and then every Bigfoot special that's ever been out since I've watched and digested, and I listen to Bigfoot podcasts, and sometimes I stay up in the middle of the night and read encounters on the BFRO website. And you decorate your home with Bigfoot. I yeah. mean, I've seen the Instagram. Right, I, I, I definitely went deep on some Bigfoot merch. Uh, <laughs> and I, have a, I have a picture of Patty, uh, a cell of the Patterson footage that's blown up, and it's like framed on my wall. It's real fun. I have a Bigfoot uh, doormat. <laughs> Well, they say no more. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, it's mostly fun, but I do, you know, I, I do hope that uh, we sold the episode to Samsung, which is great because I wasted a lot of money. <laughs> I, I wasted a ton of money and resources on this thing. So what was nice is that we did it and somebody saw some potential and, and um, paid for it to, uh, and hopefully we can continue to do more of these. So what's their integration? Like you're like out, you're like they using get it for the a light. Week. Using the light from a Samsung no, no, phone there's to find no, Sasquatch. No, it's, it's, there's no product placement at all. They just get the video for a week on their Android app before I release it on YouTube. Okay, which I thought was a killer deal. Um, you know, it's it's they're gonna help pay for the product. Actually, almost all the production that I spent uh, just to have it a week early. And and if you have an Android device, you'll be able to download it and watch it. And then if you don't want to, you can just wait till it's out for free on YouTube hmm. a week later. So it's really not a bad deal at all and I hope to be able to do more of them 
I am very intrigued, and I'm certainly committed to watching it. I and think if it's you good. want our thoughts, I'll, I'll be glad to give them. I would but love I'm to hear what you guys think because I would love to get people's thoughts that I I respect and watch uh, because it's different than anything. I mean, it's it starts off feeling kind of familiar, like maybe a Cali on Comic Con where it's man on the street in a different area, uh-huh. and then um, it has a little bit of like a reality show vibe to it, but then it's not, and it's kind of like a travel doc, and there's a little bit of suspense, and we don't find Bigfoot, we're very clear, it's in the title, <laughs> but it's more about just us being out there, um, and, and we were pretty scared, um, but yeah, it, I, I want my my team, they're, my, they're all my best friends. And they're also happen to be the guys that help me make videos. You know, it's my brother, it's John, you, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, Lane and Ricky, who's in the other room. I mean, these are guys I hang out with on the weekend. So if I can get into a situation where my production team and my buds were getting paid to go shoot stuff that I'm really into, that would be cool. And, and make content that's that's like, you know, you could sit down for a while and watch it and, and uh, not just digest it so quick. So this represents an evolution of California on, but... To take a step back, I've always been curious about whether it's California on or going deep or talking to uh, cosplay mm-hmm. women at conventions. There's, is there an element of having to psych yourself up and how much of a character do you assume in your own mind? Tell me about the place you've got to go to in order to interact with people and and create these comedic moments uh I, it's not that hard it's honestly i was we were talking about this i forget with who but i've had a lot of experience talking to people now i did 10 years at best buy selling tvs for 10 years right so that's oh, yeah. like you talk your cold starting conversation with people for 10 years mm. every day and then um then I did man on the street and you're cold starting conversations with people for well, the last 7 years or whatever it is. I don't have a problem with getting into a convo and I don't think I have to psych myself up. I just get so tired like if it's a Comic-Con especially and I have to try and like think of a soundbite or like a witty thing to say while there's like you know a giant transformer walking around there's like dubstep blaring in your left ear and there's like a chick with an amazing body who's half naked over here there's so much stimulus that if i walk around comic-con for four hours i need to sleep for like two days yeah it takes a lot out of me and it's like you're just making internet videos dude like shut up but uh it's it's not more of like i gotta get myself in the moment if i can just get there and then (laughs) that's half the battle like getting Getting there and just turning on the camera, and then once I get a few in the bank, it's fine. And then you know when you get warmed up, everything comes out better. And then when you get in that zone, there's like a good three or four hour period where I'm in a zone, and then I I get maybe seventy percent of the footage. And then if I don't get anything, I'll piece it together. How wrong have things gone? I mean, have you for ever what? been slugged? Uh, have you ever been... Yeah, I got slapped. I mean, everyone always asks me. I got slapped by some guy at South by Southwest. Uh, I think he was a gangbanger, so I'm glad it didn't escalate any farther. <laughs> um, but I honestly, I'm, I, I should have been attacked more than. What did you say to that guy? Uh, he was he. I don't think I. I, I forget. It's in the video. It's in the oh, south. Oh, oh, so it's, I it's part of the video. Yeah, but I just started shouting at him, and then he slapped me, and then I ran after him with the camera on, and then I tried to make fun of him, but. Um, there was a lot of like, there's my own problems coming out. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like when that happens. But uh, nothing life threatening, you know. 
Um, I just feel a little exposed at Venice Beach sometimes just because I have been doing it for a while. And if for some reason I really hated Kasim G, I could just probably hang out at the beach for a while, wait for him to get there, and they just stab him in the temple. You know, it's <laughs> okay. like I don't you, have. You've to, legitimately I don't, thought this. I have. I went through uh, a good year or two where I had very bad anxiety, um, where I had I had panic attacks and things, because it was like uh, maybe a year into people like saying hi to me on the street that would recognize me from videos. Mm-hmm which is great and I love that, but I had a real issue with it just like being noticed. I was very uncomfortable with it. It came from a weird place. I don't know why. I didn't like the thought of somebody possibly knowing who I was in a restaurant, but me not knowing any of these people. And then it would be validated by me getting a tweet from like somebody tweeting the back of my head at a restaurant or something. So I'm sure it's happened to you guys, but at that time, I don't know, a few years ago, but I had a pretty big anxiety disorder thing that uh, happened with it but it's fine now, you know. I don't. I don't have panic attacks anymore. I did worry about getting murdered on the beach. Um, there was a group of skaters, I think, that really wanted to beat me up for a while. But uh, you know, I, which you, it, I don't. How, how did you ha- find out about that? Um, I just like somebody's like, "There's a group of skaters over there really want to fight you." Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, I don't know. There's so much that can happen at that beach. Like I've seen people get in fist fights that had nothing to do with it. It can, it can erupt at any moment. Yeah. That that place is so volatile that, you know, you don't have security. It, it can be a scary place. But the like the tattoo guys that work right next door, everyone, all the vendors were really nice and they looked out for me, which, which is part of why I was happy that I tried to, you know, show Venice in a better light as opposed to make fun of it. But uh, I think a, a lot of people, you know, on the outside looking in might think, Oh well, it seems like the timing really works out. Uh, you know, Maker gets bought by Disney. I, I know Kasim was there from the beginning, so okay, he he just cashed in a little bit. He doesn't have to make videos anymore. Oh yeah, I ca- I cashed in. Um, <laughs> but I would have. I think the what well, whatever happened with my videos, just like the uh, would have happened regardless whether or not the Disney thing happened. It, it had a lot to do with just me being unhappy with the formats and where they were at and wanting to do something new. Um, but yeah, I mean, ha- getting millions of dollars is also a, uh, gives you a little bit of a buffer to not have to worry about like, I've never, I was in that spot as a YouTuber where it's like, oh, Friday, I got no videos. Like, what am I going to do? I got to mail it in. I never want to be in that position again because it it's cheap for the audience if you're mailing it in. It's cheap for yourself. Um, and all it is is just to kind of feed this like never-ending monster that is mm-hmm. always hungry. And I don't want to. I don't want to be caught up in that. I, I was. I feel happier. Well, now. how how does losing that that sense of desperation that I think a lot of YouTubers feel when you experience, you know, when you when you when you cash in, how does that change the way you approach your work? You take your time with it, um, but it's hard to, you know, I I have to do something. And that's the Bigfoot thing was the impetus behind that was so we got to do something new and bigger. Uh, It'll take longer. I won't be putting videos up, but at least I'll be taking a step in a direction that I want to go. Um, is, is but there is it is a risk. You've put a lot into oh, it. I mean, I've look. Is there I, anxiety associated I'm with this project? I'm doing it the wrong way. You know, <laughs> like if you want to be successful, I on YouTube, it's it's consistency, and um, I just I'm not as worried about it as when I was playing that YouTube hustle years ago. It's I have I've carved out a nice little like. Uh, audience for myself that 
you know, I'm happy with. If if the subscribers keep coming, great. But like, there's no way I'm gonna play that game. I couldn't even imagine being somebody like PewDiePie or like guys that are uploading three videos a day. It's they've. I've seen I've seen it take its toll on myself, and I've seen it take tolls on other YouTubers. Uh, and it's no way to live just just to feed a machine um, mm-hmm. that way. And and it also like I got to uh, do other things, you know, that I if I took didn't take the time away from YouTube, I would have never got to do. So I I'm happier. I get to do different things, and but ultimately, like my love is just YouTube. Like I I really want to. I'm not going away. I'm just going to change what I do, and maybe it'll be less, or maybe I'll find another format and it'll hit. So, are you doing going deep anymore, or is that done? Uh, that hasn't been decided. I just it's another one of those things where I'm pretty unhappy with where that where I'm at or what I think is funny, and and I don't necessarily think that shows as funny now as when I used to do it early on. I mean, how do you give me in looking back at it how do you feel about it i'm happy i'm it, i'm happy was... with all i mean there's there's ones that um i feel like you know i probably crossed some sort of line and and uh there was probably a lot of moments like that and i feel like i made those at the maturity level i was at when that happened but if i was to do it now it would definitely have a different feel more like a calion is changing i would change going deep uh to be less going deepish. I don't know, and I know a lot of people get bummed out about that because they like the show. In what way? I, what are you going deepish? What do you mean? It's just like I don't know. It's like a guy talking to a porn star for laughs. You know, it's fine. I think it's. It wasn't like there's mo. There's real funny moments. Um, and one of my favorite videos is the Asa Akira one because of just I don't talk to them at all before, and and I just it, let it go. And then sometimes really fun stuff happens, like the Asa Akira one. And then other times I can't air the episode because they have their manager call and say that you know that's not going to air. So you were certainly in character, but there's no prep whenever you're talking to a porn star. No, there's prep. Um, it's it's half written, half improvised. I shoot for like an hour and a half, maybe an hour and forty five. They don't meet you until they sit down. No, no, no. I actually will do like <laughs> I used to do things like yell at my crew before I I stepped in. I wanted to create a sort of environment of like. Where they thought I was a huge, huge asshole. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I would like yell at the person putting my mic on, like, "Why are you doing it this way? It's taking too long." And if they didn't have something ready for me, I would, I'd blow up about it. And I would, I wouldn't look at them or talk to them until the camera was rolling. And sometimes they would just be looking at me, like wondering when I'm gonna like, acknowledge them, which is great because some <laughs> those moments are real to me, and they're they're not. They're not forced, and it's it's real awkwardness, which is great. I I don't see, especially these prank videos. Like half of them, eighty percent of them are staged. Like why why are we watching these? There's yeah. no real reaction here. There's no human emotion being displayed. There's there's nothing there's nothing risky about it. But w- when we sit down and do those interviews, like I don't know what's going to happen in there. And there's like there's two or three interviews that haven't aired because of the person not wanting them to air. And uh, had you met porn stars in person off camera before? Uh, what, what are porn stars uh, maybe, like as people? Maybe at conventions or something like that. Uh, as people, porn stars? Like your experience interviewing all of them. All the girls, most of the girls I, I chatted with, really nice, right? Very nice people, Can seemed really 
lovable and fun and like, oh, they're cool when they don't do porn. But um, some of them are, I, I would have to say most of them are, are that way because of some sort of like trauma and like some crazy thing that happened in their lives. Like they're not, they're broken people for the most part and not every one of them. Um, they're, people think that y'all hang out with porn stars has got to be the coolest thing. Like it's super depressing. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of drug use, there's alcoholism, there's like domestic violence. There's there's a whole slew of problems with the porn industry uh, that I, I don't really agree with, you know, and... And, and is that part of it? Because it seems like, I mean, I would have assumed that uh, after the initial success of going deep that people would be contacting you so that, that you could break these girls yeah, on oh, the show. I have people contacting me still, but they're not people I want on the show. Right. I only have certain, I, I have, I will say I will do another one if a, there is one thing I, I've been trying to find, which is a couple that where they both do porn, but the male does gay for pay porn. <laughs> and if somebody can step out, that, that, I will do that That's interview. what it's going to take. Well, you heard it here yeah, on uh, Ear Biscuits. But otherwise, it's like, you know, it's repetitive. I didn't want to keep doing, I, and a lot of the porn stars that reach out to you are just, you know, they are just looking for some sort of just anything sort of attention, whether, you know, like, oh, it's fine. They'll make fun of me, but I'll get a bunch more followers. And I like to think of that show as like I'm, I'm taste making. I'll pick the porn stars myself. <laughs> You know, because in the comments, it's like, hey, I just looked her up after this video and I'm a big fan now. I like to feel like I have some influence over who people uh, jerk to. Um, so, <laughs> well, and I would assume that people, uh, when, when it, you lose the, uh, you, you lost your cover a little bit. You know, you got these girls coming in and now they know, oh, well, I talked to her. Yeah. And, the last, you know, it's few. They're, and then like, they're, they're acting at that point. They have to, you know, the, my, I make sure my producers tell them, look, he, it's an act, but he's not going to talk to you. He's not going to be nice to you. After he'll be super nice. And I am. Like, after the interviews are done, I'll go and try and be like, that was really funny. I know there's, you probably think I'm an asshole. I'm just, that's just that way for the camera. Uh, but it, I, I have no need to go back and do more unless I think it'll be really funny. I don't, again, I don't feel like I have to just feed a machine just to feed the machine. Yeah. Which is, is that pompous? I, I, it's more just like, I want to keep the quality well, I, I at a certain it's, level. It's like, sanity is one thing. Yeah. Too. And, and I think it's refreshing that I'm, uh, I'm not playing a YouTube game, you know, and, uh, collabing with people that you don't want to see and, making videos that, uh, you know, are social experiments. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. And you're, I think you're happy with me too. Yeah. Oh yes. Very. And, and you're As also, you wave your hand you're acting. magically in front of our face. Yeah. I, I try to do a little bit of that too. Uh, did you actually get directed by Michael Bay for that scene in Transformers? I did. Yeah. What it, was that like? Uh, it was fine. It was a trip. It really was. The, being on that set is, you know, I've been on a few sets. I've been on two film sets, but that film set was like a film film set. It was like, you know, okay, you're going to be looking up uh, at the top of the ceiling. You're, you're in a wind tunnel, right? It's like a GM wind tunnel. It's like a room that maybe 20 other people have ever been in their life. And you got to pretend you're looking at a transformer. And uh, meanwhile, there's like 100 extras running around behind you and Stanley Tucci's banging on the board. And you just have, and you. I got my lines that morning, you know. I just was told I was going to improvise them, but I didn't get to. I just, he just told me what lines to say. And they, you know, they came out weird and they, they cut some stuff. It was fine. It was a good experience. But I got that because of Going Deep. They saw Going Deep and they were like, maybe we can use that character somehow 
in the movie. And I ended up auditioning for like four different things. And uh, they're like, uh, well, you didn't get any of them, but uh, they want you in it uh, and just, you know, improvise some lines. So you'll go there for five days and see what happens. So I was like, okay. Then I did that. And it was pretty stressful getting your lines 20 minutes before you shoot them, you know, on something that'll be there forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Michael Bay is interesting. He likes funny guys, which which is cool. Uh, he's 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 cool. It's fun to see him work a work a set, especially if there's women on it. You know, there's always beautiful women when Michael Bay's around, and he's kind of like uh, I don't want to say he's a nice guy. <laughs> so, he loves funny guys. So how much? I mean, how much do you want to do acting versus? I mean, you said you're loyal to YouTube and you're not going away. Well, I'm not, but it doesn't mean I can't do other stuff. And I, you know, I auditioned for uh, a couple pilots. I shot a pilot uh, last year. I'm shooting one now. Um, but they're until they're out, you know, I'll talk about them. But I like to to work that muscle because it's not like YouTube. It's like somebody else gets to do all the work, and I can just kind of focus on this one thing, which is nice. And um, it's also a great way to get paid. Like you know, five days of work getting paid on a motion picture is uh, is great. It's yeah. like money just keeps coming every every day. As it comes out on DVD, there's more money. It came out in the theater, there's pretty more nice. Money. Yeah, it's cool. Well, I mean, back at the top, you talked about how um, one of the factors in not being not wanting to play quote the YouTube game was just to preserve some level of privacy. And I know being with the vlogging, yeah, yeah, w w with the vlogging. But I think with the with the content that you've created over the years, people have they have a perception of you that you know you don't let a lot of people in. You know, I appreciate over the course of this conversation, you've been very candid, and but you don't you don't choose in a lot of places to be you know to put yourself yeah, out there that way. I'm so, like that, and you know that's just how I am. I, I don't uh, I keep people around me that I trust and that I like. You know, and um, I don't feel like I have to change that for any reason. Mm -hmm. I, I, it's not because I'm guarded. It's just, you know, I, I'm old enough to where I like certain things and uh, can draw boundaries with other things. You know, it's it's. Uh, I have a lot of friends, but it's it's. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I guess I'm a guarded weirdo. Yeah, I don't uh, think being guarded makes anybody I just said, a weirdo. I just said I have a lot of friends on a podcast, which always <laughs> means I don't, right? So it's like, I, I got to... I really, trust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the truth is, I don't I don't like, you know, if I don't have to leave my house, I won't. I got, I got my dog, uh, and um, lately I've been painting. It's been very serene around my house, <laughs> so it's nice. Yeah. So when are you going to start the uh, the online gallery where people can go and buy a cast G paintings? <laughs> I know, a lot of guys were like, hey, you should give these paintings away. And I'm like, nah, this is like... They're not that good. <laughs> I don't want to give them away. Maybe I, I do find uh, I do find the appeal of like like uh, those time lapse painting videos. You know, mm -hmm. you yeah. ever watch those? Yeah, they're so easy to watch. You know, it's like <laughs> oh god, I'd, I could make one of these. I'm painting right now. Why can't I just make one of these? But that leave people like Mary Doodles to do it. She's she's great at it. Well, uh, it's time for you to sign the table as we wrap up this thing. And again, you know, I I think I, we gotta we gotta come back and do a part two. Right, one of these days. Yeah. Oh, we'd have it. What are you? What are you holding for part two? <sighs> well, I don't know. We just talked about so much. I'm sweating bullets here.
And there you have it, our conversation with Kasim G. Let Kasim know how much you enjoyed this Ear Biscuit. His Twitter is Kasim G, K-A-S-S-E-M-G. Use hashtag Ear Biscuits. Also remember you can re, uh, leave a review on iTunes, it's very helpful. And you can join the conversation on SoundCloud. That's happening over there. Um, I really appreciate it, Kasim. You know, we're friends with him. And you know, like he said, he, he's a guarded guy, but you know, he came on the podcast and we gained a lot of insight into who he was. I think some of you may uh, be pleasantly surprised that you know he's 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 an actual person. He he's has not a just, heart. Guys. He's not just a guy who he has a heart who uh, has confrontational humor on the sidewalks of Venice. He, he's going. He's tapping into something there. And, and I can see. I'll tell you right now the the whole idea of there being a um, you know some kind of sitcom or whatever that focuses on his experiences as a kid, like this, the story about standing out there yeah. next to the potted plant or whatever that was. Right. Like I, I, I totally can see that working. That needs to be uh, in front of people right now. He should now. just do it on his channel. Well, he might. Forget you about television. You don't, you don't know how he's gonna do, do it. Um, I, wanna, I wanna plug his um, California on half hour special on Sasquatch again. You should. Because uh, like I said at the top, when we talked to Cass and we hadn't seen it, and since then we have, uh, it's a lot of fun, I, you know. California on Sasquatch, a not finding Bigfoot special. I watched that on his channel. Um, so he kind of gives it away at the beginning, as it was he was intended. He doesn't find uh, Bigfoot, but they uh, it, it's it's very but entertaining. they have fun. Have a I, lot of fun. I found it very interesting that he uh, approached it with a different tone, like he described to us, than uh, he does with some of the California ons because. He, you know, he let all these people who believe in Bigfoot, Bigfoot speak. Bigfoot, yeah. <laughs> I can't speak right now, but you know, he just let them speak, and it was it was fun. He to wasn't trying. He, he wasn't trying to make fun of them. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to ask them questions and make them look stupid. It was very much, I'm going to I'm going to go hang out with these guys, and we're going to have fun. We realize that what we're doing is, you know, even people who are with us, like John, for instance, totally thinks that this is the most ridiculous thing ever. But that's part of the humor is that he's got this ragtag bunch of guys that are going out there, including, uh, hi, I'm Ron, being by himself all night, which I think was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So uh, check that out, and again, let Kasim know, tweet at him uh, what you thought of his ear biscuit. We'll be here next week, delivering another one to your ear holes. Fresh. 